In this parsha, we have all the korbanos for the different yamim tevim and Shabbos, and also every day, and including Rosh Chodesh. <clears throat> the special korbanos, the musafim, the extra korbanos that are brought specifically in honor of the first of the month. Now, it's interesting when the Torah starts introducing the korbanos for Rosh Chodesh, it uses the term of a Rosh your Rosh Chodesh. By Shabbos and Yontev, when it introduces the different days, it doesn't say Chem on your Shabbos or Bikurim. Doesn't say Bechag Bikurechem. Your your Bikurim. There it just says Chag Bikurim. Davke Barosh Chodesh it uses Rosh Chodeshechem. Says the uh, Sephorna something very interesting. He says that Rosh Chodesh, there was a minhag which Jews accepted upon themselves not to do work on Rosh Chodesh. And as is evident from the story in Shmuel Aleph with David HaMelech and Yenison, where it calls Rosh Chodesh a day, which is not a day of Yom HaMaseh. That's not a day of work. We read that story in Shabbos Erev Rosh Chodesh in the Haftarah. When Shabbos falls on Erev Rosh Chodesh, Mochel Chodesh. So there, it's this is one of the sources, the main sources, that there is something special and holy about Rosh Chodesh, and that there was a minhag. Again, it's not in the Torah. The Torah doesn't say Lasasam Alocha, um, like in Yontav and Shabbos, but it's a minhag that Jews accepted, not to do Malacha. So what? What is? Why the Jews have that minhag? And again, that's why it says Rosh Chodeshem. It's your Rosh Chodesh because it's something the Jews accepted. That's what the Sforna says. Now, <clears throat> what's the celebration of, of, of Rosh Chodesh? Now, the Sforna says something fascinating. We know that the moon has been diminished. The Abishta said to the moon in the beginning of creation, when the moon complained, how come the sun is so bright? And I'm also, why we shouldn't be both the same powerfully bright. There should be somebody who's more than the other. And God said, okay, then you are the one who should diminish your light. And that's how the moon ended up less than the sun. Now, in what way is the moon less than the sun? This comes across in a number of ways. One is that the moon's light is, first of all, weaker much weaker, I mean, the moon shines at night and it's still dark, it's still night, whereas the sun changes the night into day. Much brighter light. Also, um, that the moon doesn't have its own light. It depends on the sun. So in that way, it's been diminished. It becomes subordinate to the sun. And additionally, also, that we know that the cycle of the year, a lunar year is shorter than the solar year. So it's another way by which it's been diminished. And then finally, there's the idea of Pegimas Halavana, the Lavana losing its integrity over the course of a month. It first grows to full size and then it, begin, it starts shrinking till the end of the month. That's again another blemish, so to speak, imperfection of that the moon is suffering um, in contrast with the, with the sun. The sun is steady, always shining bright, the same size, same strength. So the, um, the Sephora explains this, that the, um, the moon represents the Jewish people, as we know, 
And it's showing that our relationship with God is similar to the relationship of the moon with the sun. Just like the moon and the sun, the moon doesn't have its own light, and its light will depend in, in, its, in its accessibility to the sun's light. So the times of the month when the moon doesn't have access to the sun's light, so it will diminish. But that's an indication that there is a deep bond between the moon and the sun. And in a certain way, the fact that the Jewish people are undergoing uh, various fluctuations in history, times when we're successful and we're rising high, like in the time of Shleim HaMelech, and all the nations are coming to us, and then there are times when Chas V'Shalom, the opposite, Golos, like the three weeks now, where we are the, uh, the underdogs, we're basically being subordinate to the nations, and we depend on the nations. And as we know, for Jews, the difference between these two states Golas and Geula is really contingent on our relationship with God. In other words, our success in the world is a direct result of the fact that we have a deeper and, and a deeper bond, a deeper relationship with Hashem. When Hashem's light shines upon us, then it naturally translates not only into a spiritual um, success, but also we thrive materially and physically in this world. And when Chas V'Shalom our relation with the Ebishter is, is lacking, then uh, we suffer not only spiritually, but it also translates into physical, a physical decline. And then we become subordinate to other nations and we suffer and so on. That is unique to the Jewish people. Other nations don't have that. So the other nations, they're pretty much static. I mean, they disappear after a while, but while they're around, they're around. Steady, they're, they're, it's pretty uh, reliable. Until the time comes, the time is up. But for Jews, it's been a constant. Jews have, are always around. They don't disappear. But yet they're undergoing this fluctuation, which is very unusual. It's unique to Jewish people, which is an indication that our relationship with God is such that our whole life, our whole success, is contingent on our relationship with Hashem. That the other nations, their success is not contingent on their relationship with Hashem. It's the Abraham decides to give them whatever he decides to use them for whatever he needs, for whatever purpose he needs. We're not used for a purpose. We are the purpose itself. And therefore, it's how much we uh, gravitate towards Hashem, that's commensurate to that is, uh, is our success, our spiritual light and our physical success is completely uh, tied to that. So the fact that Jews undergo so much suffering is really an indication of the nature of our relationship with Abraham. So it says this Farnam that this is the meaning of the moon. We're celebrating Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh is when the moon begins to shine again. It's rising again. That means the, the relationship is thriving, right? And therefore we see new light coming to us. And because it's dependent on us, this is completely contingent on how we determine our relationship with Hashem. So it's our Rosh Chodesh, Rosh Chodeshem. This is, this is a celebration. Rosh Chodesh is a celebration which celebrates our relationship, the way we make it. The Ebershah leaves, leaves it to us. And this is our Rosh Chodesh, our Yontiv. And this is something that's our Minhag, this is something that we accepted upon ourselves. He says, however, he says, there's an interesting Gemara. The Gemara says, why does it say, Baruch Chodesh, Chatos Lashem? That, uh, this, that on Chodesh is supposed to bring, besides the other Karbanas of Rosh Chodesh, 
also a chatos. The other kabbanis is an oiler, an offering, a burnt offering. But the, there's one sin offering. The question is, what is the sin offering for? It says, Lashem. So Chazal say, one pshat is, Hashem is saying, I need an atonement because I diminish the moon. So Echsidus in Kabbalah, it's explained, this is a very difficult Maime Chazal to understand that Hashem is saying, I committed a wrong and I need to be atoned for. So bring me a carbon chatos to atone for me. On Rosh Chodesh, Davka on Rosh Chodesh, our holiday, when we celebrate our achievement, right? And, uh, and our success. That's when the Ebesh says, I want an atonement for myself. So it says this for the Pshat is like this. Before this for I just mentioned what Chassidus says. Chassidus says that the whole idea of diminishment of the moon is, is symptomatic of not only the decline of the Jewish people in Golis, but it's also symptomatic of the source from which all neshamas come from, which is known in Chassidus as Malchus the Atzilis. God's sovereignty, this is the Shechina, the, the, the very resource that provides vitality and life and sustenance to the existence of the entire infrastructure of creation, from the highest spiritual realms to the physical world. Everything is dependent and contingent on this resource called Malchus, God's sovereignty. But God's sovereignty is meant to create a world that's distinct from it, that does not feel and, and vibrate with divine, with the consciousness of God's presence in it. God's presence is completely obscured. And Malchus is supposed to venture into a world which is dark, does not feel its connection to its creator, and yet giving it life to be what it is in its state of independence and distinctiveness, separate from its source. For Malchus to do that, Malchus needs to enter an environment which is foreign to the, this divine attribute called Malchus Datsilis. And that's a state of exile. It is forced to feed uh, the very things that don't recognize the source where it's being fed from. And that is the foundation of all of Golas. That is this Yesod. The fund. But the purpose of that is, says Exodus, is to ultimately to elevate the sparks that are hidden and buried and lost in those lowly places, dark places. The whole Eishas Schail is written to describe this drama of what the Shechina Malchus Datzilis is undergoing six days of the week, entering a mundane environment which is so foreign to Alakus, to godliness, and sustaining it, giving it its very existence. Without Malchus, it wouldn't exist. And yet at the same time, it turns its back to its divine source of Malchus and does its own, goes by its own agenda. That is the, 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 the metaphor of the moon being diminished, <clears throat> the diminishment of the light. But in essence, on Shabbos, the Malchus rises up and draws with it all the Nitzutzikdushi it was able, it was able to conquer and elevate back to its source. And that's what Shabbos is. Kala is the bride, Malchus, and by extension, it's every neshama, which is an extension of Malchus, the Atzilis, are all rising up with the Nitzutzikdushi that we're all schlepping with us from the week, from our involvement in our daily lives, doing it L'Shem Shemayim and elevating it to Kedushim. That's the Chesidus take. Now, there's interesting, another Nekuda there, that there's two things. The Levana is, light is diminished, and there's another thing, this Pegima Salavana. The Levana is blemished. There's something missing. This is a, 
indicate this is a reference to the the Dolovana shrinking towards the end of the month. And the Tzemach Tzedek explains that this is the the that the the process by which Malchus is subjected to feed and 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 on the one hand feed and feed a world that's that's um, resistant to to godliness and to to holiness. Uh, and nevertheless, and the purpose is what? So ultimately, to retrieve and and um, exploit uh, all the godly sparks that are hidden and lost there. Now, there is a rule in Chesidus, in Kabbalah, that evil is very aware of God, but they don't want to submit themselves to God. So they know that they can only live because of the Tzutzi Kedusha, the godly sparks that have been fallen, so to speak, into those dark places. And it they are fighting tooth and nail, the clippers, to hold on to those parks because they don't want to lose their existence. At the same time, they don't want to surrender and be mavatal themselves, nullify themselves to the source. They want to hold on to the Tzutzi so they can live. They're like parasites. They want to use it and then run with it and do their own thing. And it's like a war, he says. Malchus Latzilis, on the one hand, it enters peacefully the lowerly world, giving it life. But then there is a battle going on, raging beneath the surface between Malchus Latzilis and the lowly worlds, because the clippers that are residing in the lowly worlds are holding on to those in Tzutzi Kedusha, you know, by, by, by at all costs. They don't want to lose them because they're afraid. So there's a war going on. And he says that it's a mushal. In war, in war strategy, there have been different strategies that have been the, the, you know, devised over the course of history. But there is one, he says, very clever uh, technique of war whereby the, the, the army pretends to lose the battle. They allow the enemy, the other side, to strike some casualties in, in, in their own ranks, but they make sure it's only like the peripheral uh, uh, ranks, the, the ones that are not so important to the army. And then they retreat, running as, as if running away from the enemy, which empowers the enemy and emboldens them to chase after them. But the purpose is so that they would lure them into a much more advantageous space to fight them. In other words, that the, the enemy that pretends to be losing is trying to get to a space which they are much more familiar with or strategically is much more advantageous to them. It says it's a wider space. They can more easily surround them. So they pretend they're losing in order to encourage the enemy to chase after them into that more advantageous space. And then they will strike at the enemy and really uh, smite them and, and conquer them. Since that technique of tricking and fooling the enemy is what Malchus Adatzilis does, what the Shechina does when it goes down into this dark, uh, the dark annals of, of the lowly world, and and it gets injured. In other words, there's sometimes neshamis that fall away. It loses Malchus loses some some victims. He gives an example in Mitzrayim. There were children that. Uh, were put in the walls by the Mitzrayim and, and Moshe Rabbeinu said, Rabbeinu Shleilam, how can you do this? And God said that those children are children that, um, those are the that 
shouldn't be part of the history of Jewish people. These are really the, those on the periphery. And he says there that um, Moshe said uh, he wasn't satisfied, and the Ebrister took out one kid, Micha. And Micha made the pestle, Micha, the famous scandal that came afterwards. So he showed Moshe that these were not, the, the one part of the, 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 the journey of the Jewish people, they weren't supposed to be part of that. Anyway, so the idea that Malchus takes some injury in order to lure the, the, the other side into a space where it can then strike and take out those um, sparks that are behind bars, so to speak, hidden deep inside the deepest, darkest annals of evil. So that's the meaning when Hashem says, I want an atonement, it's, it's saying that ultimately this whole process of gullus even if of course at the end at the end of the game it will all be latayva all be for good and malchus of course kedusha will retrieve everything and it's not that the, the abisha couldn't have done otherwise hashem could have just taken out the the, the, the kedusha by force and 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 annihilate evil completely from the earth but the abisha wanted things to go through a certain process through a battle. That was Ratzon Hashem. So Hashem says, I need an atonement, meaning that ultimately I have created a situation to begin with Salavanam, which made room for the possibility of, of um, the injury, so to speak, of the side of Gedushim. That's the Chesidah's side, but the Sephardah gives a simpler easy reason. He says, based on what he said before, that the whole Rosh thing is a uh, connection is it's a celebration of the nature of the relationship that we Jews determine to have with Hashem because all our success and downfall depends on that and he says when Chas Shalom the Jews sin and then Chas Shalom is a decline right the moon is diminished so to speak what happens as a result there's a Chil Hashem because after all the Jews are identified with God they're the God's people. So when the Jews are suffering, it, it creates a terrible chilul Hashem. So he says the idea of a kapara means that by atoning for the Jews' sin and restoring the glory of the Jewish people, so to get them out of the gullus, it will bring atonement, meaning it will restore the kiddush Hashem. It will, that God's name will be glorified again. That's the concept of kapara. Kapara here is not in the literal sense that like a sin, the Abish that needs to be forgiven, but it means that Hashem will have, Hashem's name in this world will be uh, restored to its uh, proper glory that it was meant to be.